You're listening to episode 160 of the 360 Vegas podcast. Check out the blog at 360vegaspodcast.com or send us an email at 360vegaspodcast at gmail.com. You can support the show when you shop at Amazon. Simply go to the blog 360vegaspodcast.com, click on the Amazon banner, and go about your purchase. It's that easy to give us money without giving us money. Day after tomorrow, gentlemen, we'll be in Las Vegas. Welcome to Vegas. Las Vegas functions on a 24-hour-a-day schedule. The pool's the casino. Big volcano out in front. That's the Eiffel Tower. Bellagio. Riviera. The Mirage. Flamingo. Sahara. The MGM Grand. This isn't the real Caesar's Palace, is it? I want to gamble. They always put the machines that pay off the most right in the front. Good luck. The Strip is just the most amazing stretch of road, I think, probably anywhere in the world. Kicking ass in Vegas. Vegas, baby. Vegas, baby. Welcome to Las Vegas. It's interesting. This will be the first NBA All-Star game. Not even the game. It's the, the skills challenge is what I always think is fun. I mean, it's it's fun. I like that a lot. Yeah, it's fun to see them actually play because, you know, nobody's playing defense. They're all just trying to have a good time. And, yeah, they're showboating, you yeah, know. Yeah, so, I mean, yeah. So that's always fun. But it's, it's interesting. Even before I kind of lost interest in basketball, I lost interest in the All-Star game because it does get pretty commonplace. I mean, it, it's uh, like I haven't seen the skills challenge yet. I'm psyched to see that. Mm-hmm. Yeah. Um, but I, I wonder with my newfound or, or my, my renewed yeah, love of, uh, of the sport, how, how long the All-Star game will be interesting to me. Yeah, um, I usually like to watch the first half and then I usually tune it up because, you know, it's not it's not I, I, a lot of people and myself included appreciate basketball for the competitiveness. Uh, when there's no competitiveness, it loses its edge a little bit. Right, right. Uh, I think they do a good job of like the players. I think the players do a great job of acknowledging the fact that the athletic uh, athletic feats and skillful feats that they, you know, the, the crazy alley-oop dunks and yeah, yeah. cross-court alley-oop passes and, you know, the you know, nice ball handling showcasing. I, I think they acknowledge that that's what really sells the All-Star game for a lot of people since there isn't that competitive edge to it. Yeah. Uh, and they do a good job of trying to accommodate that. You know, they know that they're there to put on a performance. They're there to entertain, you know, and, and, and I think that's, that's pretty cool. But I, I would put it ahead of the Pro Bowl, however. I would say it's the best of all professional sports all-star weekends uh see i disagree with you there i do think the uh major league baseball all-star game the home run derby there's just something something so classic about baseball you know and it being the nation's pastime obviously that goes without saying but there's just something so uh special about about watching a baseball game especially if your team's doing well i always watch the cubs a little bit although they've had an absolutely shit product over the past several seasons so it's been a little difficult to watch them on a regular basis but i still i'm I'm a diehard Cub fan, no matter how shitty they are. Right. You know, kind of like your Browns. Yeah. You know, you're always going to support them. You're always going to get behind them because you're a real fan of your team. Yeah. So, uh, but the, yeah, there's something just so special about baseball. You know, the sound of the ball hitting the wooden bat. And, yeah. you know, that's something that's just been so consistent for, you know, a hundred years now, you know, or more and more. Right. Right. So, I don't know. There's something cool about that. I do appreciate that. That And there's kind of a lot riding on it because whatever, what you know, whether it's uh, the AL or NL, whoever, whatever team is representing, you know, they're, they end up with home field advantage in the World Series. So, there's kind of, there's more resting on that victory. You know? See, that that's something that I don't like about that. What the fuck is the point of playing all those games where, you know, if, if I mean, I don't understand why it isn't more like football or basketball where, you know, if you win the most games within this, you get home court advantage. Even when you get to the NBA Finals, whoever's got the best record, they've got home court advantage. 
advantage. I, I don't understand why you place any importance on an all-star game. I think that, uh, and this is my, I can understand somebody feeling differently, but I think for baseball, I think what they need to do is instead of home field advantage, I think they need to play the series at a neutral field. Hmm. All seven games somewhere else, no one has that advantage. Huh. And maybe in a warmer climate. Huh. I mean, you, know I mean? you can play it in NFL. Florida. You can play yeah. it in Cali- Southern California. There's lots of baseball teams in California or in Texas. Mm-hmm. I don't know. That's I, there's, I guess there's something to be said for um, uh, having the opportunity to win the World Series at home. Right. But, you know, uh, the 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 Super Bowl, no, no, no team has ever won the Super Bowl at home unless I don't know. I, I haven't checked. I don't know if there's any instances where the Super Bowl has been played at a, a team's home field. I don't know. I know it's been close. I don't know if it's actually happened. Yeah. Well, we have a Vegas-related show of some variety today. Yeah. Uh, we got off on a little side tangent. I want to say that one week from right now, this very moment, I will be packing my bags for my trip to Vegas. <sighs> I will be there for work primarily, but I do have a full, full day of doing whatever I want. So we're going to try to pack it in as much as possible. I do have some evenings available, too. Uh, I plan on doing the review of the uh, Sunset Station where we're staying, although I'm not... I'm not crazy about doing a full review, but I feel like I, I want to do it because I want to contribute that <laughs> that information because you, when you think of going there, you don't think of staying off strip. So it's a unique perspective. So I see a lot of value in it. Right. Um, but from what I understand, it's a little bit more on the locals casino side of things. Yep. And it's also more frequented by older people. Uh, that's what I'm hearing. I don't know that, but I will be finding out firsthand in one week's time. There you go. Yeah. Brian, making an effort. (laughs) (laughs) Hold on to your seats. That's right, folks. (laughs) Effort is coming through. Uh, All right. Well, we've got Random Vegas. Why don't you go ahead and start us up with that? Yes, this one is a bit foreshadowing. We've got a... Yeah, there's some news coming up here. Hang on a second. Let me unzip my pants. Which is largely what... (laughs) Largely. Oh, damn it. I fumbled. I had a joke as you were talking about, uh, you know, you're going to pack as much in there. I'm like, you are a master packer, I I have to say. (laughs) Absolutely. I will attempt to cram myself into the smallest of spaces. (laughs) (laughs) With slim to no regard of the recipient or their their own comfort. Makes no difference in whatsoever. That's right. (laughs) All right. Well, (laughs) the random Vegas. In 1998, the Glitter Gulch tried to return gaming to its venue, but... Undercover gaming agents reviewing the joint were solicited for prostitution, ending any chance of a casino revival. Those of you who don't know, Glitter Gulch is now the ladies of Glitter Gulch, which is also a strip club. That wasn't clear. <laughs> I've, uh, you know, we'll talk about it later. <laughs> I got that from VegasEater.com. Cool. Cool. All right. How about the Vegas Mate review of the week? There isn't one, Brian. No one has reviewed anything since February 4th. That'll be changing next week. I will review shit. There you go. At least once. (laughs) I can commit to at least one. See? If Brian can do one, all of you can at least do five. Hey, I'm doing a full fucking video review of the resort I'm staying at, so go fuck yourself. (laughs) You don't like it. I don't give a shit. All right. How about the twit pick of the week? Total immersion borderlining on inescapability in the best way. (laughs) That's what I love about Vegas. While I romanticize what Vegas used to be like, ultimately there's a reason why this incarnation drew me towards her. It's the same thing that drew me to Disney. It's total immersion. I mean, while you're there within this certain area, you'll be surrounded by all manner of larger than life. It allows you to 
kind of forget that there's a real world with real problems just outside of its boundaries, or at least it does for me. This week's winner by at underscore lucky45 illustrates that with a picture of the strip from a car captured both in the view ahead and behind using the side mirror. There is some irony to the photo in that Flamingo, the oldest property on the strip, and the original to cause it to change is the primary focus in the driver's future. While two properties, the Mirage and Treasure Island, who can easily be credited with the second revolution of the strip's landscape, are shown in the side mirror behind the driver in the past. Absolutely. I wanted to jump in, but I didn't want to interrupt your your monologue. But uh, (laughs) allowing yourself to forget that there is a real world with real problems just outside these boundaries. I was going to say, you get to step away and forget about all those real world problems while you develop all these other problems on the inside. (laughs) Sometimes encountering drugs or prostitutes that turn out to be men, after all. (laughs) Just, I I hear things. And then what are you going to (laughs) do? Try something new, perhaps. That's right. Mm. <laughs> as always, we'll link to the photo on our blog. We'll put it on our Flickr and Pinterest pages. We'll feature it on the Facebook and Google Plus pages, Twitter header, as well as the enhanced version of the show. All right, that's going to do it for the opening segment. Let's move on to the news. Before we jump into the news, just remind you real quick that you can also support the show when you shop at Vegas.com and get discount prices on shows, nightclubs, flights, and just about everything Vegas, including a best price guarantee that will alert you if a room rate falls below what you paid. Just go to 360VegasPodcast.com, click on one of the banners, and go about your purchase. 360 Vegas and Vegas.com. Everything you need to get ready for your next trip to Vegas. We've got some exciting news we do. Uh, open, to open the show with this week. We absolutely do. We finally have a merch store and one worthy of our brand. It's Zazzle.com slash 360Vegas. We've got coffee mugs, keychains, coasters, mouse pads, money clips, watches, and, of course, shirts. All kinds of shit. Yeah. After much effort, we are happy to announce that the chip logo we had available in our limited edition shirt a few months ago is available as well in multiple options. Now, more than just getting our logo, you can get shirts with some of our greatest moments, for example, available now, is Bill Gamblin's Hall. The shirt not only prominently features the name of the episode on the front of the shirt, but the episode number as well. It also has the name of the show on the back, so even people behind you know how cool you are. All the shirts and most of the products we have available are available for the ladies and the fellas in multiple colors and styles. We do have plans for lots more items in the future than what is currently available in the store. Those of you interested can sign up to receive updates whenever we do add something new. Please let us know what you think about the store and give us any suggestions about what you would like to see for potential future products available. You can get geared up before uh, Vegas Vacation, too. That's right. Once again, it's Zazzle.com slash 360Vegas. The effort I put into this thing is ridiculous. (laughs) I don't even know the extent of it. Well, it's more... And I feel okay about that. (laughs) Totally (laughs) filling your role in the show. Absolutely. (laughs) No, it was... I really wanted to get that chip logo set up so we could could have it on on future merch. I had to kind of relearn how Photoshop works and then give it the effort that I... You don't use it, you lose it. Uh, It, That is so fucking true. There you go. Zazzle.com. Very cool. I wore my I wore my shirt yesterday while I worked and laid around in the house afterwards. That's so. I love it. It's a great. It's so comfortable. Yeah. It's so so comfortable. Thank I you. Again I wish for I could take credit for that. But I can't. <laughs> <laughs> for, I, for my comfort. I did. I did not help make them comfortable. That was that was out without it. Beyond my realm of skill. 
You're, you're not a you're not a tailor. Or... I'm not. I'm not into any form of. You're not not a, not a tradesman of no. sorts. Mm-hmm. Craftsman. <laughs> I know how to craft a lot of bullshit. Yeah, that's true. That's absolutely true, as is evident by the show. That's right. <laughs> All right. Well, let's move on. We've got some more news to cover for this week. The first news item for this segment is the closing of the Riviera. Yeah, it's unofficial, but Vital Vegas and Edge Vegas are reporting based on various reliable sources that it will happen. According to those sources, the Las Vegas Convention and Visitors Authority will purchase the property, destroy it, and expand the convention center right up to the Strip as part of a $2.3 billion expansion plan. Speculation is that the Riviera will close as early as May, with demolition starting at the end of June. Riviera turns 60 this year. The official announcement is expected on February 17th. What are your thoughts? Well, on may that? have to make a fucking trip over there while I'm there next week, as it may be the only opportunity I get. Do you have any past experience with it or thoughts on it? I do not. Um, I only know what I have learned from being a part of this show, yeah. uh, and obviously the in comparison, which is uh, not anywhere near, but in the very small amount of Vegas research that I've ever done that has pertained or has been relevant to the Riviera, that's really the extent of it. Yeah, I, I find this one to be a bummer similar to the Stardust. I, I, I've always liked Riviera. It's just, I mean, it is a lower-end property, but it, yeah. there's nothing nothing wrong with it other than it's just too far. There's no reason. I mean, I always wanted to stay at it, but when we lost all those properties around it, it, it was like, it's the same thing like I've said about Stratosphere. I think Stratosphere is a fine property, but I'm not going to go to one place where I'm stuck out on an island with these limited options where mm-hmm. I can, about half a mile down the road, mile down the road, I've got basically every option I could ever hope for. So Right, right. It's a bummer. I, I'm happy that I've still got some time to hang out there. I've got at least one trip before the mm-hmm. proposed closing. And, sure. Uh, I'm definitely going to spend some time there. One thing, though, I do think is interesting. Once upon a time, we had a concept to do a complete photo walkthrough of all the properties. And while that idea never actually came to fruition, or at least it hasn't yet, the Riviera was one of the places we started work on. So I photographed a significant amount of that property. So Mm -hmm. anybody interested in that, whether we end up making those those walkthroughs or not, you can mm-hmm. find those on our Flickr page. If you just sort by the Riviera tag, I have a shit ton of pictures of the Riviera all over. Yeah, those. very cool. Yeah, I remember us talking about that a lot. Yeah, it's like at the early uh, stages of the show, we we're discussing doing that. Yep. Yeah, cool. Glad you got those. Yeah, me too. Of all places. Yep. All, right. all right. Next up on our list, Clarion imploded. Yeah, the the Clarion Hotel and Casino, formerly known as the Greek Isles also known as the Debbie Reynolds Hollywood Hotel and more, was imploded this week. It didn't go exactly as planned. The implosion was originally scheduled for 2.30 a.m. on Tuesday, but it was delayed 30 minutes because a few residents of the condominiums nearby refused to leave. Well, it's understandable. It's when people are usually asleep. I know, right? It, it took, the fuck? How, this, how, how rude. I've never understood why they do them that late. I don't get it. But, or that early, depending on how you look at it. <laughs> Fair enough. Uh, it took police encouragement to finally get them to temporarily relocate. <laughs> Pistols and knights right. and, uh, and, and billy clubs. And mace. Yeah. However, Tear gas. Right. However, another resident, the elevator shaft at the Clarion, dragged the completion of the project on for another 12 hours. The project manager for Controlled Demolition, Inc. explained that the debris from the rest of the property fell so fast, 10 seconds to be precise, it didn't give the tower a chance to move. 
Now, 12 hours later, with the help of a crane and some cables, the tower was pulled down and the 44-year-old property was no more. The Clarion closed in September of 2014, was purchased by the current owners in October of 2014 for $22.5 million. When asked what the future held for the location, ownership only said it will be replaced by a, quote, unique development. So they don't know what the fuck Yeah, exactly. They have no idea. Yeah. (laughs) It's real estate is really the investment they made. Yeah. I've always that's, thought that was that's a, cute a prime one. real estate for twenty two and a half million dollars. Yeah, well, I mean, it's 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 off strip, but it's if they build up that area again, I've always thought it was a cute place, rather run down locals, but still. Yeah. yeah. Hmm. See. All right. Next on the list, pro sports. We've got an update for you. Now that Bug Selig has retired, NHL's Gary Bank has is proudly taking up the mantle of the most hated professional sports commissioner. This week, he warned that even if Vegas did reach its season ticket deposit goal, that doesn't mean that Las Vegas would be awarded an expansion franchise or that the NHL would expand at all. But to be fair, the ownership group admitted that when they asked the commissioner if they could do a season ticket drive to get some real numbers to gauge interest in a pro hockey team, it was made clear that expansion was not promised regardless of the results. Now, currently, the Vegas ownership group has reached half of its 10,000-seat ticket goal season ticket goal. Later in the week, it was announced that Major League Soccer took the city's lack of interest in subsidizing the building of a stadium as a clear indication that the city didn't want a franchise. So in a letter to Mayor Goodman, MLS informed the city that they won't be awarded one very specifically for that region. That makes reason. sense. Yeah, I, I, I don't know. I'm not a soccer guy. I can't really comment. I don't give a fuck about soccer. Yeah, I don't know. I don't it's know. apparently the world's sport. <laughs> the world is. I don't know. Uh, downtown Project 2.1. This is this is kind of interesting news. Yeah, Tony Shea's Downtown Project is getting a new CEO. His name is Mark Rowland. He is from Australia, and he has a track record of developing successful ventures in hospitality, retail, and technology. While the Downtown Project has been widely praised for its innovation, the majority of the developments have not become financially successful. It was made clear that Shea will still be primary owner of the Downtown Project and will continue to oversee the Downtown Project real estate ventures. Their new CEO will be responsible for the Gold Strike, Container Park, the Market, and various other individual entities open for business now. Roland laughed at the idea that he was replacing Shea and instead clarified that he is the guy who will come in and develop the infrastructure needed to make Shea's vision successful. If you have the time, I would check out what they've done. It's remarkable, especially somebody who has as as much experience with Vegas as you have. The East Fremont Street and beyond that was slightly frightening from time to time. Uh, it was. I wouldn't say slightly. I would say it was very frightening the last time I was there. I was there. Okay, the last time I was in that part of Vegas that you're explaining specifically was 2004. Yeah, it's dramatic. So it's changed. been 11 years. It's 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 quite. The locals, uh, I don't want to say hangout or anything. I, I don't know. It, it's its hard for me to articulate, but I can't encourage you enough, whether it be Container Park or even just going to Fremont East and, and looking around. It is not the, the frightening shithole that it used to be. Oh, that's cool. Yeah, maybe we'll see what we can do. Like I said, we've got one day. Yeah. We'll see what we, can, what we can cram in there. Cool. All right. Speaking of, well, this isn't. This doesn't interest me at all. I'm actually going to step away while you talk about this. Uh, <laughs> but I'll lead you into it, and it is that the Duck Dynasty, the musical, is real. Yeah, um, it, it's real, and it excuse, is... Excuse I'll be back in just a minute. Okay. <laughs> it is real, and it is happening. Duck Commander, the musical, 
is its official name, and it will open at the Rio on April 20th. It isn't a spoof, it isn't a comedy, and it isn't cynical. It's based on the book by the husband and wife, Willie and Corey Robinson, which tells the real-life Rags to Riches story of the family made famous by the A&E show. I'm just kidding. I am here. Oh, my God. They fucking wrote a book, though. <laughs> well, somebody else must have written it. Do they, do, they, do, they, do they read and write? He's got a Harvard degree, if I recall. Get out of town. Ivy, no, Ivy League. Oh, yeah. I'm, if it's not Harvard, it's Ivy League. Hold on. <laughs> fuck I'm not saying the rest of the family is. I'm saying this, this gentleman and, and his wife are, are... No, he went to Harding University. Nah. Yes, Harding. H-A-R-D-I-N-G. So this guy doesn't have shit for uh, <laughs> education. <laughs> Harding, Harding University is in uh, Arkansas, and it's a private liberal arts Christian university. Oh, Jesus Christ. I apologize for everything. I apologize yeah, for Yeah, you are way fucking off. I'm Please so, don't, oh my don't God. sue us, Harvard. Please don't. <laughs> <laughs> Mark is very sorry. Oof, that was awful. All right, I'm going gonna, I'm gonna to move forward. In, in, in fairness, I will say, in, in, in your defense, they both started with an H. And to be honest, I made as much of an effort to learn about this fucking family as I did to write this story. So fair. That's that's totally fair. Yeah, I I, I went above and beyond the Call of Duty. So completely and totally fair. All right, moving on. The couple was involved in the development of the show, but it was clarified that Phil Robertson, the family patriarch, whose homophobic remarks in a magazine caused Annie to suspend him from the show for six months, was not involved. Now, right off the bat, producers who have produced Jersey Boys on the Strip since 2008 admit that this may be one of the worst ideas that they've ever had, but (laughs) it may also be a great one. Producers said, quote, everyone is more complicated than you think they are at a distance. They also went on to say, paraphrasing, of course. I doubt that highly. that, (laughs) That if people chose to write, sing, and produce only those shows and subjects that they completely agree with, we wouldn't have Chicago, Avita, or Sweeney Todd. Now, all that being said, they do admit that there was some concern that theater people, very gay-friendly, yes. would not be receptive and may even protest this. However, I wouldn't be surprised by that at all. I was actually going to make that point if you hadn't said it. Yeah. Ultimately, two things encourage them to move forward. First, theater people are storytellers first and foremost. And second... One of the points of theater and storytelling is to bring people from different and sometimes conflicting ideas about the world, put them in a room, and get them talking. Tickets for the Duck Commander musical go on sale Tuesday, February 17. I, I, don't, I don't care how interesting that story was, I, and I've said it before, and I know you agree with me. Being capitalists, I can't support them in any way, shape, or form whether it be watching their stupid fucking show, buying shit that they're affiliated with, or something as directly as getting them money for something like this. I, I, I think they're ignorant pieces of shit and they can go fuck themselves. Nothing else needs to be said. You hit everything right, nail right on the head. Perfect. Yeah, absolutely right, yep. All right, moving on to prop bets, extension of our news segment with just some bits and pieces of noteworthy items that we want to share with you. First one for this week. Undefeated in failure, the current owners of Atlantic City's Rebel failed to close a deal to sell the property for the second time since closing in September of last year. The deal fell apart when a judge refused to approve the deal since the rights of several third parties whose cases are on appeal are yet to be determined. That means that Rebel has made $21 million from the deposits of failed deals to sell the property. we got to come up with some failed deal ideas. <laughs> that sounds, <laughs> sounds like everything's going according to plan. <laughs> right, it's genius. <laughs> yes. Wow. 
Rock and Rio has announced that all the VIP tickets for Metallica's May 9th headlining show and Bruno Mars' May 16th headlining show are sold out at just under $500 a ticket. Wow. General admission tickets are still available. I think Metallica will put on a pretty good show. I have seen them once. They, they do put on a good show. I was a little disappointed because they were, were really focusing. It's when they came out with the St. Anger album, and they were really uh, yeah. focusing on the speed metal. That was a weird time for them. Yeah. Well, I mean, they're still kind of, I don't know. I don't know. It was, I, I enjoyed that album, but they they kind of dug deep into their to their vaults for that concert, and it was a little disappointing for me. But, yeah. I mean, other than that, I mean, they, were, they were fantastic. Although the one thing that really pissed me off is St. Anger has a, a, a large amount of that album, or at least that song, where Lars is doing double kick, and I thought it was awesome. It sounded like a goddamn machine gun going. That son of a bitch bailed on that. It, we happen to be, I mean, not only was it obvious when you heard them playing that song that he wasn't doing double kick, but Karen and I happened to be seated in, in a way that we could see what he was actually doing, which was just trying to do a rapid uh, uh, snare. Uh, hit oh, to, to try so yeah, you can't, yeah, yeah there's he, no replacing that. Yeah, he completely bailed on it, totally lost a shit ton of respect for him. I mean, I know it's difficult as fuck, but you know what, if, if you're a live band and you do it in the studio, you should be able to do it live. That's one of the reasons why I like Avenged Sevenfold. Yes. Almost every fucking song they play, Double, double Kick. kick on the I love Double Kick. It's amazing, yeah. especially if I'm on the treadmill and I'm like kind of lethargic that day. Yeah. I just throw, I throw some of that on and it just gets me fucking going. Yep. The Shadow Bar at Caesars Palace is now officially closed. Vegas Eater is reporting that the 4,500-square-foot lounge will be demolished, and it's rumored that Hakkasan will renovate the space into their latest venture. That's a, a, two points on this. First of all, I'm bummed. This is one of the things that Karen and I always wanted to do. Well, okay, that I always wanted to do for a 360 Vegas review, but I could never get Karen around it. This is that bar where you've got, um, whether they were real or not, uh, giant shadowed figures that are supposedly dancing nude. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Well, you know, while the whole thing's, uh, mm -hmm. uh, you're, you're enjoying your beverage or whatever, bar side gaming, whatever the hell. Yeah. Uh, but the, the second thing about that that I was concerned about is, doesn't it seem like it, it's they're putting themselves in a dangerous position to allow Hakkasan to fucking take over everything? What if that thing falls apart? You lose all your nightlife. Ooh, I didn't think about that. Yeah. Interesting. I mean, hmm, granted, they're yeah. the biggest right now, but that doesn't mean they won't falter at some point. I'm not big into the Vegas nightlife, like as far as yeah. clubs and stuff go. Uh, I go for a different reason. I haven't been in a club into a club since I was like 21, 22. Like I grew, I went into that and grew out of it so fucking fast. <laughs> uh, it just, and that may change in the future. Uh, you know, I'm, I'm still in my early 30s. That may, you know, come back at some point in a different way. But yeah, yeah. for the recent uh several you know for the last seven years at least i just several years i mean to say just no interest at all so yeah. uh, the, the lines just did it too much the idea that i have to regulate all my fun so i'm able to be sober enough to stand in line for a fucking hour I'm not interested. <laughs> that's the other thing too i hate standing in line oh, it drives me nuts especially fucking in vegas if you especially with with vegas because you're you're it's like you're constantly going like you wake up and you were just constantly going and it's like any anything where you you take a significant break from the action just puts me to sleep one thing that i've just be like I, I this is almost like a hobby to me sometimes it, it's like a challenge and i want to have that challenge but like to me i try to find value in every single thing that i buy and do yeah. so like we'll take we'll take like disney for example yep. since it's usually you know what we do right. 
if we are going to do an attraction and we see that the line is too long or longer than we think it would be a little bit later in the day, everyone's like, oh, let's do this. Let's do this. Fuck that. It's 10 minutes longer than it's going to be in a couple hours. We'll come back. We can do something with that time instead. Right, right. You know, so it's like I want to maximize my experience for the day. I'm looking at the entire day, not just the moment. Like, I yes, I want to ride that particular ride right now, but I also don't want to waste that time standing in line when I know in a couple hours it's going to be shorter. You know, it's going to be 15 or 20 minutes shorter. In 15 or 20 minutes, we can go do something else. Uh, instead of wasting it standing in fucking line. Well, and that's, so, nobody does that better than Disney or, or gives you that option better than Disney. Right, exactly, yeah. So that's, I mean, that's just translated into so many things in my life. And that is definitely one of them is just anywhere else where there's a line involved, even if it's like just kind of one thing, I'm like, fuck it, let's go do something else. I'd rather do something else with the time. I like to be in control yes. of, of, that, of that time. Mm-hmm. And if I'm standing in line for like an hour, I feel like I've just totally lost all control and that gives me a great amount of anxiety. Yeah, oh yeah. <laughs> It sounds neurotic, I, I know, but it's... The, it's efficient, it's just, Brian. I, I respect it's, it. It's just the way my brain is wired. Yeah. <laughs> if you've dined at Emerald's New Orleans Fish House at MGM Grand on either Wednesday, February 4th after about 4 p.m. or pretty much at any time on Saturday, February 7th, and you are not fully immune... immune oh, Jesus Christ. <laughs> I'm not even... Uh, sh- Immunizes... If you haven't received some sort of vaccination against measles, measles, you may now have them. It was confirmed this week that an under-immunized... God damn it. It's so cute, Mark. Immunized. You can't can't cut this. It's it's way too cute. Some idiot who is an adult (laughs) who didn't get all of his shots was working at the restaurant while he was infected with the highly contagious disease. Jenny McCarthy, you were the dumbest fucking whore on this planet for somehow... Convin- uh, convincing yourself and then others that it's a bad thing to get immunization Here's the shots. thing. Here's the thing with that. And we've done, have being parents, my wife and I have done an extensive amount of research on the topic, right? Just parents. tried to give an, uh, get an unbiased sort of, You're not uh, idiots, well, right. an unbiased approach yeah. to the way we treat our child. Mm-hmm. And so we're like, all right, let's explore both sides of the argument, you know? And so we looked at it and it's obvious that there are risks to vaccinations, mm-hmm. but what we found is that, and this is this is what we thought going into our research, is that common sense also tells you that, yes, there's risk, but the risks of not doing it are greater for other issues yeah. and other complications and other health-related items. So, like, you know, you look at the big picture and say, which one's worse? Obviously, not getting the vaccinations for our child is the, is the, the lesser of the two evils. It, it, not getting your kids vaccinated for things that have wiped out uh, massive amounts of people throughout history. Yeah. <laughs> it seems pretty obvious what your decision should Yeah, be. it's so ridiculous. It only takes small amounts of time to quickly gather the information that make the decision crystal fucking clear for those oh, yeah. of you. Like, like in an hour and a half's time and yeah. on one afternoon one day, we decided what we were, how our approach was going to be. And that is give them every fucking thing you've got. Not at once, but, you know. <laughs> right. Get him. Get it all done right now. <laughs> I want to see six needles in that kid now. Go. <laughs> Immediately. Simultaneously. <laughs> now. Go now. Go. 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 All right. Yeah. Anyway. Yeah. We do vaccinate our child. Because we're smart. Right. Because you're good parents. Yep. Moving on. Vegas Eater is reporting that Rum Bar at the Mirage has changed their color palette to teal and green as part of their latest refreshing. Add some new furniture, cushions, heaters, Misters and patio covers. 
And lastly, the girls of Glitter Gulch Gentlemen's Club on Fremont Street is looking to add a 670-foot outdoor bar just as so many properties have done on Fremont. You know, I've always wanted to go in there, but I've imagined that it's kind of like the strip club slash crack house in gra that, that grandma's <laughs> office is located in. <laughs> so I've stayed That's away. reasonable. Right. <laughs> I'm pretty sure I'm dead on. <laughs> I can't think of any other alternative ideas. <laughs> All right. Well, that's going to conclude our news and prop bet segment. Let's move on to playing Vegas. It's time for Playing Vegas, a segment of our show where we share with you upcoming performances and entertainment opportunities in Vegas outside of the normal residencies. Uh, starting off our list for this week on Friday, Clash of the Titan, a tribute to Metallica, Slayer, Anthrax, and Megadeth, is performing at the House of Blues at Mandalay Bay. Show starts at 8 p.m. Tickets will start at 13 bucks. Friday and Saturday, Ray Romano is performing at the Mirage. His show is going to start at 10 p.m. Tickets start at 109. And on Saturday, Bob Seger and the Silver Bullet Band are performing at Mandalay Bay. Show starts at 8 p.m. Tickets will start at $87. And Billy Idol is performing in the Chelsea at Cosmopolitan. Show starts at 8 p.m. Tickets will start at $66. That's going to do it for Playing Vegas. Let's move on to coming attractions. All right, much like playing Vegas, coming attractions are entertainment opportunities outside of the normal residencies in Vegas, but in the future, give you a little advance notice. First on our list for this week, Rock and Roll Fantasy Camp featuring Cheap Trick is at Mandalay Bay, Thursday through Sunday, March 5th through the 8th. Packages start at $4,500. Schism, a tool tribute, is at the House of Blues at Mandalay Bay, Thursday, March 5th. Show's going to start at 7.30 p.m. Tickets start at $13. Once again, I, I like, I... I why there aren't a shit ton of tribute artists constantly going through Vegas, I, I can't wrap my head around. Because this is one of those ones I'm like, I would totally fucking go see a Tool tribute. Yeah, it's a, I mean, it's a very inexpensive way to get potentially some really good entertainment. Well, I and mean, they, the one thing I love about tribute artists is that they love the music so much that it's yes. not like when you go to see the actual artists who maybe they want, you know, they've been singing this song since they wrote it and it's sometimes it might old. be kind of phoned in. You yeah. Know, that, it gets annoying to them. They, they kind of change up the way that they sing it, not tribute artists, man. They want to sing it to you fucking exactly the way that it should be. It's yeah. Just, oh, it's awesome. Yeah. Very loyal and faithful to the original incarnation of the, or the, the original version or iteration, if you right. will, of this, of the music. Yeah, yeah. absolutely. Next up, Local Brews and Local Grooves are at House of Blues at Mandalay Bay on Saturday, March 21st. Enjoy local craft beers while local artists perform, including Empire Records. The event starts at 7 p.m. Tickets start at $35 and includes all you can drink. That's That actually sounds fantastic. It does, but all you can drink in Vegas is suicide. It's, yeah, it's a little dangerous. Yeah, you have to really pace yourself. Neil Diamond is performing at Mandalay Bay Sunday, May 17th. Show's going to start at 8 p.m. Tickets start at $67. Fall Out Boy is performing at Mandalay Bay on Friday, August 7th. Show starts at 7 p.m. Tickets will start at $25. Did you know that my grandparents uh, live right down the street from, um, I can't remember his fucking name because I'm not a huge Fall Out Boy fan, but the lead singer of Fall Out Boy is from the same neighborhood as my grandparents. Huh. Yeah, it's wacky, isn't it? Small fucking world. Don't, don't, don't know the guy, but right. I can say he's put on weight over the past several years. <laughs> All that money leads to some good eating. That's right. <laughs> ask, ask Elvis. Right. <laughs> 
Ricky Martin will not be at the Venetian or as a resident performer as previously reported. Instead, he'll be performing at the Access Theater at Planet Hollywood Tuesday, September 15th. That show's going to start at 8 p.m. Tickets start at $60. Actually, it was mostly the drugs, I think. But Well, yeah, yeah. They, uh, uh, well, that's why he was so bloated, I, which yeah. I always thought was so... I mean, first of all, he was a horrible eater, but mm-hmm. the apparently when you do a lot of speed, you mm-hmm. uh, are get super, super thirsty. So he had a shit ton of water weight. Uh, when I went through my chubby period as a child, like not a child, like I was like 10. Yeah. Whenever I'd sit down to dinner and I'd be having more of something, my uncle would be like, hey, take it easy there, Elvis. <laughs> <laughs> so that one's close. I keep that one close to heart. I love your family. <laughs> They're fucking assholes. <laughs> I love them too, but they are assholes. Three Days Grace are performing at the Joint at Hard Rock on Friday, April 17th. Show starts at 8 p.m. and tickets will start at 30 bucks. Megan Mullally and Nick Offerman are performing at the House of Blues at Mandalay Bay Friday, April 24th. Show's going to start at 8 p.m. Tickets start at $51. And closing out coming attractions for this week, 50 Shades of Grey, the parody is now in residency at Bally's. Shows are Tuesday through Sunday at 7.30 with an additional 9.30 show on Tuesdays. Dark on Mondays. Tickets will start at $76. That seems like an oxymoron because from my understanding, that is a parody of a book. Fifty Shades of Grey is not... That's It's making fun of other real books. Oh, I get what you're saying. That was saying. a horrible joke. God damn it. It sounded so great in my head. And then no, has- I, yeah, I, I, see what, I see what you're saying. I... I my wife hasn't even read it, and she reads fucking everything. Wow, I respect so. her a lot. My wife has read it, and I was ashamed. I'm reading... Oh, Mark, I'm reading uh, Lord of the Rings again. I just... Uh, Angela bought me a really, really nice suede cover uh, set. It's a it's a single book with all three volumes. Yeah, yeah. And I'm reading again. I thought you would be excited to know that, because I know you're also a big fan of Lord it's, of the Rings. It's good stuff. The thing I love about those movies and those books is... The movie does not ruin those books. It's almost like a different point of view or a different mm-hmm. telling of it. It's like if you really like the Lord of the Rings movies, read the book because it's it's those movies and a bunch more. Oh, so much more. Yeah, yeah. I mean it's it's a big undertaking though, man. I, I think. Oh, it's I mean, the book that I have, it's like um, it's like fourteen hundred pages for all three volumes. Yeah. But the print is really small, and so like, if you're kind of like me, I'm used to reading books that are. I like page turners, you know, so like, like I feel like I feel good about not only the content of the book, but I also feel good about cruising through the actual, the physical book itself. Like, I like saying, I like looking at where my bookmark is and seeing, oh man, I just got a huge fucking chunk of this book done. Right, right. You know, and so you're not going to get that kind of feedback from your book when you look at it like I do. If you're that way, I'm obviously reading because I enjoy the content. I don't read books just to say I read this book. Right. But it is nice to, to make that progress. And uh, you do not get that with these because yeah, no, it's I... tiny print and it takes a long time to get through a page. <laughs> no, I have, you and I are very similar in that. I'll tell you what, though, if you thoroughly enjoy that, I would recommend reading The Silmarillion or any of the Unfinished yeah. Tales. Now, the Unfinished I, Tales. Oh, I've read them all already. Oh, oh, I'm God, going back I and love reading them, them again. so much. Oh, I love The Silmarillion. Yeah, it always cracks good. me up because uh, a lot of Christian people will, will take real popular movies or whatever and they're like going, oh, look, you can find God in The Lord of the Rings. It's like going, or I could read the Silmarillion and actually read the real gods behind yeah. the whole thing. <laughs> right, right. It's like Absolutely. he's already wrote a book about all this. There's no, there's yeah. no reason to. to you add clearly on. have no idea. Right. <laughs> all right. Well. Oh, by the way, coming attractions. You don't forget. You can find links to purchase tickets to these and all the artists who report on our coming attractions calendar on the blog. It went into 360 uh, book club for a second. I apologize. <laughs> That's going to do it for coming attractions. Let's move on to the river. 
This week, Mark and I decided to give you a simple breakdown of how to play Texas Hold'em. For many of you, this will be stuff you already know, but for those of you who don't, it should give you the basic structure of the game. From my years of playing poker, I've found that many people, particularly guys, are too embarrassed to admit they don't know how to play, as it's something that all guys are kind of supposed to know by now. Like enjoying cigars or drinking scotch, guys feel as though poker is a game they should know well, and for that matter, be very good at it. You've literally described me in my shame. <laughs> I'm the same with scotch. I think I don't like it. <laughs> but I know I'm supposed to say I like it. Like every guy, you get, you have college parties or someone has a baby and they like, they all pour a glass of scotch and have a cigar. So many of my mates don't. I like cigars. My friends don't. Most of my mates like scotch. I don't. I don't like it. But we all sort of sit there playing this charade, like we're really enjoying it. We're like such a bunch of fucking assholes. <laughs> You're slowly enjoying your scotch, going. I just. I like to savor it. I like to savor yeah. it. <laughs> That's exactly. Slowly tipping it into the plant pot when no one's looking. <laughs> I, can I get a beer with my scotch? I, I like to drink way more beer with my scotch. <laughs> <Yes>. Don't analyze <laughs> this. I like to let my cigar burn. Burn like by itself. It knows what it's doing. <laughs> I think when you puff on it too much, it, t- it takes all the joy out of it. <laughs> <Yes>. <laughs> now, let's start with the general setup. The game is played on a table that generally seats nine players, but can sometimes be up to 11. You usually have to buy in for a minimum amount, but this does not mean you have to play at all. It is simply the amount that you must have in front of you to play. There are several formats of poker, such as limit, pot limit, and no limit. We'll leave that for a future segment. And just to reiterate that, a lot of people don't understand that. When you see the minimum buy-in, it's often on a digital screen or on the player's board. You just have to have that much in front of you. You can make one bet and then walk off and cash out. It's not, most games, unless it says so, they're not tournament style. You don't have to bet everything in front of you. I've found so many people, and even close friends of mine, don't understand that. They, they watch them on TV and think that every game is a, you've got to win it all or lose it all. It doesn't work that way. You can win one pot and stand up and leave if you want. Well, and we blew it's a mind, I think it was Mike for the win who, who wasn't used to playing, like we had limit poker. And he was just playing no limit. And he had that amazing hand. I can't even remember what the fuck. It was like four of a kind or something. Four and, nines. I think. Yeah, yeah, yeah. And it was like he didn't know how to bet. Because you know, I, it, the one fucking decent hand I had had to be against that fucking hand. But, you know, he didn't know how to, you know, it's like, oh, I guess I'll, I'll play max bet. I don't, I, normally I would have gone all in and fucking chased you right out. But he, he made way more money because I thought it was full of shit. <laughs> I was like, I have one good hand. Fuck you all. I'm going. He's like, it can, and that's the thing with limit poker. I mean, we said we weren't going to get into it. We kind of are. <laughs> the thing with limit poker and no limit, you can sometimes make more money in a limit game because people are more willing to chase you and keep Absolutely. calling along. Yep. It's a misconception. People think no limit's where the money is. Not necessarily. Usually, yes, but it depends who you're playing. If you're playing with friends, I think limit's a better game because no one is out too quick. Or no one's rebuying in too quick. Not to mean to rephrase that. And they will follow along with their lesser hand. They might catch up and beat you in, at the end of the hand. Who gives a fuck? Right. Statistically, if you've got the better hand, you'll win by the end of it. That's yep. how it works. Yep. Okay, back to the basics. Their dealing position moves clockwise around the table from hand to hand, and the player directly left of the dealer is called the small blind, which is half the minimum bet. The player directly left of the small blind is the big blind, and they must post a full minimum bet. These chips are incentives to get the game going as there is money in the pot to now play for. Which is really kind of cool if you don't have a shit ton of money. It's so weird. Like, when, yeah, I'm playing this game and I have to invest nothing. I get two cards for nothing. Yes. It's only one out of every, or two out of every nine hands you have to put money in. Besides that, you could fold every single time. 
it's a cheap, very, very cheap game to get three drinks if you want to play it that way as well. <laughs> <Right>. <laughs> Once the blinds have been posted, the dealer deals two cards face down to each player. The first player to act is the player immediately to the left of the big blind. They must place a bet equal or more than the big blind to stay in and see the flop. If you choose to not continue, you simply fold your cards and it costs you nothing. This action moves around the table with people calling, raising, or folding, depending on their cards. Once all players have called or folded, the dealer deals three cards face up across the table for all players to use. These are community cards, and the idea being that you must make the best hand possible from the five available to you. Now, when we say five, we mean the two in your hand, and there's only three across the board at the moment. You've got five cards here now to make the best hand. You don't touch those cards in the middle. <laughs> you just... <laughs> I have seen a guy do that the first time he ever played when we was, I was in Vegas. I saw a guy lean over and try and, like, pull him towards him. The dealer just laughs. They're like, no, 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 they're everybody's buddy. <laughs> but I need that one. I need that one. <laughs> And that's what is good about this game. Because you're using community cards, you can make an educated guess on what other people might have because there's only so many combinations they can have. Yeah, yeah. So it's a very... It's like people playing playing draw poker. I don't know how people play that. It's fucking impossible in my mind to play. How the fuck do you take an educated guess on what someone's got when you've seen nothing? When you've, they've got five cards against their chest. How the fuck do you know what they're holding? <laughs> it's so funny you say that. I used to prefer that game when Texas Hold'em came out. And I think it's Everyone primarily... Everyone did. <laughs> yeah. I think it's primarily because of that. You're like, going, I don't know what the fuck you got. I don't know. And, and you know what? Maybe it is. It's it's the excessive betting in Hold'em that always used to spook me off because it's... Yes. Yeah. I mean, you could... I felt that it was easier to bluff when you're like, I have five cards. You have no fucking idea what I've got. Mm. But I think it's sort of easy to bluff when, you're rep when you can represent something based on what's on the board. If you're bluffing with no previous like if i'm bluffing with you and i've got no idea you've got no idea what i've got you can just you'll sort of always naturally assume i'm lying <laughs> whereas when you can see the cards on the board you're like well we could have that like you you always look at what's, what's a common mistake in poker everyone looks at the board and thinks the other player's got the best possible combination of it statistically they won't right but everyone always thinks that it's like a so it's a, it's a better game what it's, it's really worth learning once you learn it and it gives you a basis for all other poker games too i'm gonna i'm gonna give you matt's tell whether it be playing a game or in life, he's always lying. Just assume he's always lying. <laughs> it's a safe bet to me. Right. I wouldn't bet against it. <laughs> You're going to get the house edge right there. <laughs> I'm so foolish. After the <laughs> now after that, another round of betting occurs, and the dealer then reveals the fourth card or the turn card. You now have six cards from which to make the best five-card hand. Often the hand you thought you were going for has now changed, and you're now playing with something else. So, for example, you might have been chasing a flush, but now you might be chasing three of a kind, or you might have more chance of getting three of a kind. Right. That's a really common game. The hand isn't over until all the cards are out. Every year, everyone bitch and moan, like, oh, he beat me by the last card. It is a seven-card game. It's yeah. not a three-card game or a four-card. It's seven. So until the game, the hand is over, until all the cards are out, that's your final hand. See, this is another reason why I love you, because for that shit, like, I don't know how many times, even even though I'm not much of a player here, but, you know, whether it be catching part of the World Series of Poker or enjoying you playing or whatever it is, you do hear so many stupid fucking people going, you didn't play it right. You know, he won it on the final card, like, going, he, he beat you. He played it right, you fucking retard. Yeah, it's it's so... It's so common. You see it a lot on television. They and they like to show that on TV because it's good drama. Right. But if you if you have a good player, he prob if you're playing against a good player, he probably won't bitch and moan about that. He understands it's a seven card game. Right. 
it is so ridiculously prissy when they're like going, well, with the two cards you had and then the flop, you should have folded, like going, or beat you. <laughs> yeah, maybe maybe they should have folded. Maybe you're right. But, in and again, those are the people you want playing against. Because if they should have folded, like the odds didn't dictate they should have stayed in, they're the ones you want to keep playing with. Because in the long run, they will pay you off, always. Nice. Think of that. Because they shouldn't chase till the end of the game. So if they're chasing all the time, they're going to put more money in. Statistically, they shouldn't make their hand, uh-huh. so you're up. You've always got to think of every bet you ever make. It's it's an old cliche, but you've, every bet you ever make, it's over the long run. Not over one hand, not over ten hands, it's over a thousand. And in the long run, you want bad players playing against you because they won't catch up enough. I never thought about that in poker because bluffing is part of it. That anybody who, like you and I, play blackjack according to the strict rules, there is no variation. So if you follow along with like the strict rules of playing fucking hold'em poker or something, you can bluff and fuck over the guy just follow yeah. whatever that is. Uh-huh. Oh, that's My, some of my, and it's harder to bluff in a limit game. It is a lot trickier because it's only one more bet to call, so it's a lot trickier. But if you, like I said before, if you play in a poker game, sorry, like I said in um, an ante up previously, if you um, are playing one level lower than you normally would, so if you usually play a $10 limit game, if you're playing $5, you can confidently bluff those people because they don't want to, they don't want to bet more than that. So you can bluff that little bit, you can push them around a little bit more, and you'll take their money. <laughs> <That's awesome. laughs> and finally, another round of betting occurs, and the dealer then deals the final or river card face up. You now have seven cards available to you to make the best five-card hand. The final round of betting now occurs, and once all decisions have been made, you turn your cards face up, and the winner is decided by the dealer based on who has the highest hand. And in Matt's case, uh, a dude throws his hand from the other side of the fucking table. (laughs) (laughs) Now, you won't always be both showing your cards because everyone might fold, and the person who won the pot will take it without showing. And that's another piece of advice. If you can take a pot without showing your cards, never, ever show. Right. Because that little bit of information, if you're playing with good players, they will remember that information. Remember what you did, how you better. I never, ever show my cards unless I have to. Now, just to clarify, that was a very basic breakdown of Hold'em. And should you wish to play in a casino, we suggest that you read a few strategy blogs or books. As the old adage goes, poker takes a minute to learn and a lifetime to master. If you wish to contact us with a gambling question, have a gaming story you wish to share, or have any feedback, you can find us on Twitter at 360AnnieUp, or drop us an email at 360AnnieUp at gmail.com. Always a pleasure to hear Matt and his addiction. <laughs> I mean, it's truly that. an issue, except he moderates it well, so maybe it isn't truly an addiction. Mm. More of a, uh, maybe I think it's fair to say an, an obsession. It's a healthy addiction. Yeah, it's not bad. Uh, Texas Hold'em, oh my gosh. I, I, I think for me, uh, watching Rounders for the first time, yes, which I saw in theaters, so like when I say the first time, I mean when it came out. Nice. That's what, that's what put Texas Hold'em on the map for me, and being a little bit younger, I, I couldn't legally gamble, obviously, at that time, so learning how to play cards was obviously in my friend's basement. Like being a part of a family that was uh, addicted to Vegas uh, back in the early to mid-90s, and then moving forward, obviously, uh, it was kind of, I was sort of predisposed to be interested in that sort of thing. Right. So, yeah, I really, I haven't played in a while, but for, I mean, for some time there, I mean, that's that's what was happening on Friday nights with my buddies. He is amazing to watch. It, it, it's it's similar to rounders where they're just barely paying attention when they don't need to, or even when they are, they know exactly. It, it's 
it's so impressive to watch him play. My cousin, game. my cousin who's 23, he's been playing cards since he was a teenager, obviously with his friends, and then he goes to um, different places around the Chicagoland area and plays in Friday night and Saturday night tournaments, and he has won many. I mean, he's nice. 20, he's 23 or 24. And he's at tables with grown men who have been playing uh, longer than he's been alive, and he's just taking pots off of them and winning tournaments. I mean, he's, he's an exceptional poker player. That's awesome. Yeah, really cool. I'm not nearly as good as he is, but I don't put that much effort into it either, so I can justify why I suck. Right. But why doesn't he <laughs> saddle up to a, a fucking video game console? Then we'll see who's, who's rocking shit. Yeah, that's what's up. That's right. Talk know. to me about that. Right. Yeah. Why don't oh, you, why you come do things with, with the grown-ups, all right? Yeah, right, right. Speaking of which, yeah. being a grown-up, yesterday uh, Nintendo released their new 3DS handheld console, yeah. uh, and I, I'm a huge Legend of Zelda fan, yeah. uh, huge, huge Legend of Zelda fan, and so yesterday they came out with the um, the Majora's Mask, which was a game for the Nintendo 64, you may or may not remember, but they came out with a special edition Majora's Mask 3DS, which has some unique uh, artwork on it. Mm-hmm. And they were extremely limited quantity. Uh, the uh, it had viral popularity on the internet. They were doing pre-orders at Best Buy and GameStop, and they sold out within 10 minutes of pre-orders becoming available. Yesterday morning at 5 a.m., I was outside in the 15-degree weather, waiting four hours for my local Target to open nice. uh, so I could try to get one. I was the fourth person in line, and there were five of those available. Nice. Uh, it's it's not likely that I will that you'll ever be able to get one again. Uh, I could immediately turn around and sell it for three times what I paid for it. That's right. how popular and how hot this is. Mm-hmm. Uh, but obviously, I'll be buried with it, and so I don't have any concern or need for uh, how much I could sell it for. But um, did you hear that there that somebody just bought the rights to make a Legend of Zelda movie? Uh, it would be Netflix. Oh, that's right. That's where I heard it. Yeah. Oh yeah. I'm all over that shit, man. I it, Nintendo is notorious for kind of entering into these kinds of very tentative agreements with production companies on doing series and different shows and things based on their intellectual properties and pulling the plug on them shortly thereafter. So take take what you've uh, what you've learned with a grain of salt because it could be over just as quickly as it started. I think I'd uh, rather have that than another Super Mario Brothers. That show, I loved it when I was young. No, I mean the uh, movie, not the but, show. The show was fine. The movie oh, yeah, was the sh- awful. Yeah, the show was cool. The movie, oh, I, I don't even acknowledge it. Oof. That's that's not, that wasn't Super Mario Brothers. I don't know what the fuck that was. <laughs> All right. Well, that's going to do it for our Vegas-related show, although we talked about a lot of other things this week. You're welcome. Yeah. Yeah, you're fucking welcome. But we do thank you for listening and downloading our show. Uh, we do appreciate it. Every week you join us. We love it a lot. Uh, if you'd like to check out any of the stories that we reference on this week's show, you can do that at the blog, 360VegasPodcast.com. As a reminder, 360 Vegas Vacation 2 is going on from June 18th through the 19th, and over that weekend, I'd imagine, in some varying degree or another. For details about the planned itinerary over those two days, you can check out the 360 Vegas Vacation 2 tab on the blog. Don't regret not going. Regret what you did while you were there. If you'd like to send us some feedback, you can email us at 360VegasPodcast at gmail.com. We love reading emails. And help others find the show by reviewing us on iTunes, good, bad, or indifferent. We will read all reviews in the show. And Mark, particularly, is all over social media, so you can find links to all of those on our blog as well. And this is my last show. Well, here, let's talk about this real quick. This is my last show. Well, next, uh, next, uh, next week I'm around. Mm-hmm. And then after that, I will be unavailable until March 14th. Holy shit. Yeah, because I go to Vegas, and then I'm home for five days, and then I go to Disney World for eight days. Gotcha. And then so, after that, I'll be in Vegas. 
because <laughs> we're just we're just boss moding it up like that, <laughs> and so we just travel and we. That's what see. That's what when guys when you start a podcast that has you know a handful of listeners like we do, but <laughs> you become very powerful, and with that power you have to take sweet trips. That's right. A lot of that may have to do with the fact that we have jobs and are, regular employment. We are in demand, Brian. All over. Yes, we are in demand by at least a couple hundred of people. <laughs> uh, there, there's more than that. Right. I'm only joking. Tens uh, of people. Tens and tens of people. Ten, dozens and dozens right. of people. Uh, <laughs> baker's dozens. <laughs> yes, baker's dozen after baker's dozen of people uh, demand our, our content every week. Right. Anyway, lots of vacations coming up, so... I will see you next week, sir. All right. I'll see you then.